Welcome to The Honest Uproar, a podcast where modern, child-free women share their life stories and where we discuss important topics for the kid-free community. I'm Isabel, your host and founder and firebrand of The Uprising Spark, a digital platform that offers life coaching products and services for modern, independent, child-free women. Our aim is to build a strong female community and to connect empowered women around the globe. You're based in Los Angeles. You used to get mistaken, mistaken for Molly Ringwald. <laughs> but I love, I love, I love her movies. Yeah. <laughs> you won't eat avocados. I don't eat avocados, but you know, I do eat guacamole. That's strange. Uh, okay. <laughs> that is strange because I won't eat guacamole. <laughs> I do it. People are like, why don't you eat avocados, but you eat guacamole? And I'm like, because I, I mean, guacamole doesn't taste like avocados. Does it? I mean, yeah, it's very different. I don't know. And I started with the, it was the guacamole that turned me off. And it's, you know, gro now that I live in California all these years, everyone goes, what's wrong with you? You don't like avocados. I'm like, I, don't know. <laughs> I was going to say like avocados is like the official state food in, in California. It seems like everyone. It there seems. It. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, and now you're actually, um, you're a photographer. Mm -hmm. And I am so excited to hear about that because photography is one of the things that I've always wanted to explore. And for some reason, I haven't actually gotten myself into it. So I'm just like dying to know how you got into that. Well, I encourage you to do it. Even if it's with your cell, you know, the cell phones now take amazing pictures. I I can spend hours just scrolling through Instagram. It's It's like very addictive, just looking at people's pictures. And a lot of them are just with their cell phones. I mean, people are getting amazing photos. Yeah, it's true. So is it about, I mean, because everyone's like, I mean, yes, you can have like great pictures with like your iPhone. You can have great pictures with like a, I don't know, $20,000 camera. Yeah. It all depends on like your technique. It's just your eye. Yeah, it's your yeah. eye. Vision. And that's part of what I try to encourage women with when I get gather women together, because there's definitely a difference between taking a workshop with a man, a male photographer, and then just being with other women. I think women were more, we're not so technical. We don't need to know what all the pieces and parts are. We just want to be creative. We just want to have fun. We just want to create and we, and we don't want to be told, you know, well, this does that, you know, so that's what I try to encourage when I gather people to go on a, on an outdoor walk or to go on one of my trips. It's like, just whatever you've got, even if it's just your iPhone, bring it and like, I'll take you to great places. And now you create and I'll give you tips if you want and help you along, but no, you, everybody sees differently. And that's, what's so fabulous. I love it. Yeah, that's true. So how did you get into it? Um, probably when I was a child, um, my grandpa was, had a hobby as being a photographer. My father always had a camera and was taking pictures and they got me a little point and shoot Kodak camera and it had the old cartridges where you put the cartridge in and then you had to take the cartridge to the drugstore and pay to get it developed. So you'd <laughs> save up your money, your allowance from cleaning the house to get your picture back. And I think what spurred me on is, um, I don't know if it was like Girl Scouts or, you know, some little photo contest somewhere. I was probably in like third grade and I was like, you know what, I want to enter that. So I picked out a picture of just us going to a park and it was like a bridge on a snowy day. And I entered it and I got like 
third place and I was like thrilled I was like oh my gosh this is amazing and ever since I just always like just you know taking photos and people I've started to get more into taking photographs of people because now I realize all the missed opportunities of like family who no, you know are no longer with me or you know old friends or I when I travel I see such fabulous people around the world and everyone's beautiful and unique and sometimes though I'm I'm timid and introverted I'm, I'm like so used to being behind the camera but you need to approach them you know you need to go ask and say you know because different cultures have different views on having their photo just taken without their permission so you know I'm trying to work on that whole aspect of it so but yeah that's kind of how I got into it as a kid and it's always just been a a passionate hobby and now in the last few years I've tried to turn it into a little you know like I said a little business where I take people places I love and help them develop themselves creatively and teach them the skills I've you know I've kind of gathered on my own as well but you're always learning it's you know like anything you're always learning to be a better painter or a better communicator I think every everything about life you're always trying to learn more I think as curious people Mm, absolutely I completely agree um, <laughs> so you know I just I just you just reminded me of this story I think this was back in 2018 or 17 either one of I can't remember exactly the year I went it was 18 2018 I went to uh, Morocco and wow. I mean it's just an amazing country like everything about it the food the colors and you know it's a it's a Muslim country and right. I was, we were walking into Medina and it was like time, one of the times for their prayers. And I just thought like, everything just stopped. Everyone stopped to pray. Uh, and I thought it was such a beautiful thing. And I took out my phone and I was about to take a photo on one of the people who was in the tour. She was just like, stop it. Oh, don't, you can't take pictures of them while they're praying. And I thought to myself, I mean, there's so many pictures of people, you know, in, in Catholic church or Christian right, churches. And right. But in, what you just mentioned about culture just completely. Yeah, introduced. right. But no, what I, I've been wanting to go to Morocco forever. What an amazing journey that must have been. Yeah. And like you see, just to see everyone just stop in the middle of their day like that, to take those moments to do that. How moving. Yeah, it was absolutely beautiful. But yeah, it just reminded me of that. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, don't do it. So you, you really need to have like this, like photography etiquette as well. It's not only about you know, taking the picture. And and so right. you have now, um, like, so you, you travel, you take some groups with you and you travel and you do, what is it, like, uh, workshops for photography? Kind of like, it's kind of like photo tourism is what I call it. Um, I, like, mainly I go to places I know really, really well, like New England in the fall, I'll go to Vermont, Maine, New Hampshire, because they get just this incredible fall colors and you see the little villages and for um, I've had women that have, you know, they grew up their whole life in a city like Los Angeles. They don't realize that, yeah, there's still little places in the United States where it's like 25 people and a white steepled church, just like a, you know, like a picture postcard from years and years ago. It's still like that. And so to go there and take them to the places, you know, eat foods that are maybe, you know, like maple syrup, there's all different kinds of maple, you know, the grades of maple syrup, maybe cheese that's made locally, just, you know, do the whole thing. Cause I love food. I love, you know, seeing the sights and then, you know, just sharing that with the camera and taking time. Cause a lot of times if you're on a busy tour, like you see these big buses rolling by, they just 
see it through the window and that's not really experiencing it. You really have to slow down and, you know, walk and, you know, immerse yourself a little bit and feel the fall, you know, the change of the season, the crunch of the leaves, all of that. So um, go to New England, go to Alaska to see, you know, the Northern Lights, all of that, and then help people, you know, use their, you know, develop their eye a little bit more. What makes a good picture, you know, some elements to help them, you know, get better at what they love to do, but without squashing it. Cause I've taken some workshops, like with I, like I said, there's a, men just think different. They're wired different. So they tend to go at things from a technical aspect. And sometimes that can be really intimidating to someone who's just starting. It's like, you know, they're kind of insecure with just starting with their cell phone. And it's like, no, you, I've, I've had women get amazing photos with their cell phone and make a photo book when they get home. And that's what I want to encourage the fun of it, because they'll come to want to learn more as they get, you know, as you get grabbed and, and drawn into it. I just feel like photography is something you can do at any age. You know, you can be five or you can be a hundred. It's something you can always do. You know, it doesn't require like a lot of, you know, you don't have to hike. You can photograph in your backyard. You know, I know some people with COVID now they're walking around their neighborhood and, and just seeing more of what's right down the street from them that they may not have explored because when you drive past it you're just your mind is in a different place you're not seeing it the same yeah absolutely you know I, my parents gave me a, like a professional like semi-professional camera when I that was after just I was right out of high school that was like my graduation present and I actually went to live a year in Europe right oh, after wow. I graduated high school so I was I, I remember just like walking around with my camera but what you say is like you know, about the the whole, how men are wired different, because I do remember when I first had the camera, a guy who knows, like, who was a photographer, he tried to explain to me, and I was like, this is not creative at all, like, I don't want to hear right. about how <laughs> this, like, I understand that you need to know, you know, how right. certain things work, I get that, but if I'm thinking about all the little, like, technical things, like, I don't, I just want to focus on what I want to capture, basically. Right. That was the whole feeling that I had. And I think that creative people, especially women, like you mentioned, were like that. We just want to, like, grab that moment, you know? It's... Yes. And yeah, so I completely agree. Because, like I said, I, I experienced it early on. I, As a kid, like I said, I was taking pictures, and then I took some classes in high school and college. And then... Um, when digital came along, there was just such a, it, everything kind of changed. There's so many more settings and buttons and these cameras can do so many things and there's menus. And I took a class one day and it did, it just like, it just kind of squashed. It kind of made me not want to do it for a little bit like that. And it took away the joy of it. So that's when I realized I'm like, you know what, just go back and start, you know, and that's what I tell people, you know, at first, you know, automatic or your cell phone, just get the picture, you know, if you're in the right place at the right time, get the picture because you might miss the, you know, the whale breaching out of the water and, you know, and things like that. If you're too busy, you know, futzing with the buttons and you'll get frustrated. So it's trying to encourage women, especially, I mean, I, I have guys come on my trips too. I'm not trying to discriminate, but women generally relate to other women and just the enthusiasm and joy of, you know, discovery and realizing when they're in the fun of like we're standing in the same maybe area looking at the same scene of the leaves and the barn and how someone someone will focus in on like 
the small little detail of the wood and the colors and someone else will see something completely different. And it just is so beautiful and wonderful to share that. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you. And it's funny that you say that now I, I do think because I have been in both situations, you know, in groups where there's only women and in groups where it's co-ed and the, the, the energy is just completely different. Yeah. For some reason, when there are men around, women just get a little bit more, I don't know if we're like intimidated in a way. I don't yeah, know if that, it, yeah. that's not the right word, but it's just like, it's not the same vibe. That's for sure. Right. And other than photography, I also read that you were writing a book. Well, I'm trying to. <laughs> That's my goal. I started last year. I've been trying to, I've got, like I said, I've gone to New England so many times in the fall. That's kind of like my favorite time of year to go. So I decided, you know, it'd be good to maybe um, put down like some of my favorite drives or some of my favorite places and some tips on where to go if you want some of the postcard images that you see. Um, you know, some of my favorite places to stay that are like the historic inns or bed and breakfast. So that's my goal is to get that and get it on Amazon and see what I can do. And, and not so much as a money maker, but just as something that can live there as a sense, you know, that people can refer to and feel like I accomplished something, I guess, with this talk. <laughs> what is it? There's this list. I, I don't know if maybe you've heard this before, but there's a list, like there's three things you need to do in the, in like in life, like write a book, plant a tree and have a child. Have you, have you oh, really? before? <laughs> yeah, I've seen that. And since the last one isn't going to happen, <laughs> that's why I'm working on the other one. <laughs> I need to plant a tree and write a book. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> number three isn't happening, right? <laughs> Not having um, any children. <laughs> yeah. And we're going to get into that a bit a little bit later, but I'm, because I'm curious about one, there's another thing that you mentioned in in your email when you were sending me, uh, when we were exchanging um, yeah. emails, and it is that you were once nicknamed Mario for your driving. Like, what were you doing that you were nicknamed Mario? <laughs> well, Mario Andretti, uh, back in, I guess he was a race car driver in the oh. 80s. Yeah, you know, he did all the racing around the world. He was, I think he was Italian, an Italian race car driver, the Andretti's. And my dad always had kind of a lead foot and growing up in the Midwest, I don't know, you have these wide open stretches of roads. And, and I did, I, I was just, you know, I was a safe driver, but I always had a, a I like to go fast. I like to drive fast. I like to, now that I'm a little older, and, you know, I guess a little wiser and could see what might happen. You know, I, I've toned it down. But yeah, that was that was where that came from. <laughs> and I do love driving and road trips. But <laughs> yeah, I have to confess something. And when I read that, the first thought that came to mind was Mario from like Mario and Luigi, like Mario Kart. Oh, yeah. The, yeah, the, <laughs> the, the game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I remember that too. It's like if, when I every time I play Mario Kart, like I just. I don't know. It's just crazy. I'm like, oh my god! <laughs> I thought that. Yeah, was exactly. <laughs> I'm glad that's not the case. <laughs> right. <laughs> You're listening to the Honest Uproar, a podcast where modern, child-free women share their life stories, and where we discuss important topics for the kid-free community. So you were born in the Midwest. You're from Iowa. Yeah. And we're not going to say your age, but you're in your 50s. 
Right. You look amazing, by the way. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> um, so how was it growing up in Iowa? Because I have never been, I think I, well, I've actually never been in Iowa, but I have been in the Midwest and I know that there's like oh, okay. a lot of space, not a lot of people. Just like- Yeah, it's, it is, it's pretty spread out and Iowa is, well, the interesting thing is I did grow up in a college town. Ames is in the center of Iowa, but because of the university, even as a child in grade school, the professors, you have professors at the university from all around the world, from countries far, far away. So thankfully we get a nice mix of, you know, different ethnic groups, different kids. And so you grew up with other kids and I just never, you know, it was just normal to me. I mean, like my best friend, I think her family was maybe from Korea or China. I can't remember which country exactly, but you know, I never gave that like what people look like on the outside a single never occurred to me which is a good thing i'm i'm thankful for that upbringing i'm thankful that because i think a lot of times the midwest or places like that can get get um people get the impression that you you're only brought up like you know same race same 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 and thankfully it wasn't like that in in my part of the you know iowa but it was very traditional in some ways in my own family um my parents, my grandparents, they were all teachers and educators. So I think they all wanted me to go and teach. And that wasn't my path. Um, I actually wanted to become a fashion designer. And I did that for a short time. I was a children's wear designer in the South. And that was a whole different, that was like a whole different country. <laughs> it's like yeah. South of South of the Mason-Dixon, as I call it, I mean, even in the, you know, 90s um, when I was living there, it was like they were still fighting things. And and I didn't, not being from there, I just didn't understand it. And I didn't understand why people, as soon as I opened my mouth, it was very obvious that I didn't have the accent. I wasn't from that. That was the first time I really, you know, I experienced what probably other people experience often was just that you don't fit in, you're different, you know, that kind of thing. So it was a learning experience, but yeah, my parents always encouraged me to do what I wanted. They didn't, you know, try to, other than going to college, you know, that was a definite and I'm thankful that they did because I have so many interests. I'm not so sure I would have I don't know. I think it really opened my eyes. I met so many people that are still my best friends to this day because going to a university, again, you have students from all over the world. You, through the living on campus and living in a dorm, you learn to get along with people that have different needs, different thoughts, different, all of that, going to class and being regimented about getting up and being somewhere, you know, it prepares you for the real world of just, you know, there's tests, there's commitments, things like that. But you know, the creative path is a little more challenging, as we all know. So I did, I was a designer for a little bit and and then moved on to other things. But growing up in, in, in Iowa is, was a wonderful experience for me. And I'm thankful I had it. I had a really supportive family. Um, and my mother never really pushed me. There wasn't like pressure every day to have children or an expectation, thankfully. But I think in the back of their mind, they thought, oh, you know, eventually that that's, you know, she'll change her mind. She'll settle down. She'll quit being crazy and drive fast and dr- dress crazy and you know, <laughs> wear wild clothes, all of that, you know, like they'll grow out of that, you know, that's what they think. But, <laughs> but you kept true to yourself. Right. And when did you know that you didn't want to have children? 
Um, you know what? I think as a teen, it's interesting. I mean, I I mentioned too in our emails, like I had a booming babysitting business. I, you know, and that was encouraging. I loved babysitting children and you know, you make the you make some money from that. And so that's I think that whole work ethic gets instilled as well. Like, oh wow. And parents obviously loved me. That's it was, you know, back then it was a referral system. You know, there wasn't the internet. You couldn't go look and see how you were rated or anything. You know, it was word of mouth that you got more families. But I just, I don't know, something about me, I guess because I realized how much time it takes, the commitment, and that's what scared scared me actually is like, you know, this is a lifetime commitment. You know, yes, the baby is grown by 18, but look at, you know, even when I got to college, my parents were still concerned. They still, you know, I was still, they still had that responsibility towards me. And I guess as a woman, I didn't want... I, I saw it in a way that it might hold me back. And I know that might be wrong for the, you know, the many, many successful, there's so many successful women out there that do it all. But I just, I just knew in myself that I could only tackle so much at a time. So I guess I saw it as if I do that and want to do that well, be a good mother, because unfortunately my mom stayed home with us until I, she didn't go back to work until she was, well, we were like in junior high. So you can imagine all those years she put her career aside and she was very, eventually when she went back to work, she ended up making more money than my father. So that was eye-opening, you know, like, wow, you know, and to grow up in that and see that arc, you realize, wow, she gave up those years where who knows where that could have taken her to raise us. And I'm grateful for that. But on the other hand, as some as a young woman that wanted to go into fashion design and wanted to go into fields that are very competitive, I just thought, oh wow, I'm going to do everything I can not to, you know, not to get pregnant, not to, you know, take that on. And I just, I guess, I always felt that way that if I couldn't do it well and didn't have that, and I never had that nurturing, you know, some people say, oh, that clock will start. I don't know, my clock must be broken is what I said. You know? <laughs> By the time I turned 30, I was like, I don't know, I just didn't ever, you know, occur to me. It wasn't ever. And I always thought, you know, if you don't want it, it's not a good thing to take on. You know, don't do it for the wrong reasons. Don't become a mother for the wrong reasons, I guess. And so I've, I did everything I could. And stayed on birth control for years and years and years, you know, just, just so it wouldn't happen. I just didn't want to bring someone into the world, into a situation where maybe I wouldn't want them. I mean, that's a horrible thing to say, but you know. Yeah, but you're being honest with yourself. Yeah, it's just honest. It's the most important thing, you know, because I think, I think most child-free people just dread a non, an unwanted pregnancy. Some, I know of some childhood people who are like, if I get pregnant, then I'll just like feel that because they're like pro-life. Right, right. So they're like, I don't want to have an abortion. I don't want to give up the baby up. So I'll just probably like stop being child-free. And that's okay. I mean, right, to each right. their own. Right. But I would say most childhood people are like, they're like, oh no, I want a pregnancy. That's just like a horrible nightmare. Um, yeah. And I think that was me my whole time. And I think, you know, well, luckily my mom too, she was very, she was kind of a hip woman for her time, I guess, or, you know, even though it wasn't like that long ago, my mom and I were about 20 years in age difference. I had young parents. Yeah. So, and 
maybe she, you know, I don't really know, but maybe I was kind of unplanned, but she immediately, you know, when I started getting to the right age, she's like, nope, we're going to take you to the doctor. I'm going to get you on birth control for now. You know, I just, you know, she too didn't want, she had an honest conversation. It wasn't like I had to go figure that part out myself. And then when I was on my own, the same thing, the worst nightmare would have been, you know, I just did everything I could. It was just, you know, I just, it was always in my mind. Like, I don't want to get pregnant. I don't want to, I don't want to have to make that difficult choice of what to do now. Like you said, you know, I, I just knew I was like, you know what, I, I think this is the route I need to be on. I'm not passionate about having children and I don't want to put myself in that situation or, or, you know, someone else, obviously. Yeah, I completely understand. But, you know, it's very interesting because you had a very uh, successful babysitting business and you were a designer for a kid's clothing. Yeah. So, so, uh, Buster Brown. Right, right. And because you're like in this two worlds where everything is about the child, how did adults around you or even kids like you know asking when they asked you oh do you have any children of your own or whatever like what what were your response to that see that's where it gets response. challenging because working at Buster Brown and being that was in and I'm just going to say it, I was in the south this is just my honest experience of what I experienced at this particular company most people at that con- company yes they had children they were young mothers and in fact the woman I was um, directly reporting to, she, you know, took maternity leave. And while she was gone, I was designing the line more and everyone was like, oh, when's it going to be your turn? When's it going to be, you know, when are you doing this? What are you, because I was newly married too at that time. Um, And it was just like, kind of like, and I would just kind of be like, oh, well, right now is not the time I'm pursuing this. So you kind of felt like you were always dodging the bullet and you didn't want to be, it was hard to be completely honest, but you didn't want to lie either. So you were always kind of writing this line of like, you know, of what to say, how to answer, you know, and kids, you know, little kids too, like, oh, you know, we love you, you know, come back and hope, you know, I hope you get to babysit us next week. And you're like, yeah, that's great. <laughs> but it it was, it was hard. I don't even know when I actually, like I said, my mom, I think instead, I don't know if she instinctively knew, or I think she always wanted to make sure I was in a solid relationship if I was going to have children. And the first relationship, the first marriage went completely to heck in a handbasket. <laughs> but thankfully now I've been in a long-term, you know, I've been married now to my husband for like 20 years, but even now still, I mean, I'm now I'm much more honest. I just tell people like it is, you know, it's like, I decided I didn't want children. You know, my in-laws, it was when I first met them, they were, you know, they didn't, I think they didn't like that, obviously, you know, they would have wished their son would have, they would, there would have been grandkids from us, but, you know, I just had to say, you know, and I would tell, I told my husband, right, when we got married, you know, well, not right when we got married, but in the, in the dating process, like, I don't want children, I don't know how you feel, and he's a musician, so he kind of was like, too, like, no, I want to pursue, I want to do these things, you know, I, he's like, no, I haven't really given it much thought, you know, and for men, I think it's just a totally different thought process, but having people ask you is very difficult. I think we still live in a world where, you know, what's wrong with you if you don't want kids, and sometimes now the first thing even at my age, because thankfully, as you said, thank you for the compliment. People still assume that I'm, you know, 
can have kids and like, well, you know, that's the first thing they ask when they meet you sometimes is like, oh, what about your kids? And and I always say, nope, don't have any kids, didn't want any kids, you know, like, <laughs> but you feel like you're judged right away. That's one of the first questions. Are you married? Do you yeah. have kids? And what is your job? You know, like three big, <laughs> it's like, I try not to yeah, identify yeah. people like that. You know, I don't know. It's just. Yeah, no, I completely, I mean, there's two things um, that I want to like comment on. The first one is, I mean, as time goes by, I think just people in general start giving less fucks about everything, right? So right. then they ask me like, I don't, I don't want them, you know, but we still as women um, feel the need to explain ourselves, you know? Right. And it's just like, it's so unnecessary <laughs> because explanations, yeah. explanations are a privilege. I, I've always said that. And, and the other thing is um, I have spoken to teachers who are child-free and I, a couple of them have said to me, you know what, I, I have a really hard time, like when she's talking to parents or other teachers, and they ask them about, you know, their own right. children, because they feel that if they tell them outright that they're child-free, it's going to make them lose credibility professionally, right? Like you need to have a child to understand how to educate one, right? Right, right. So, that's that's more or less where I was going with that conversation that I just had with you regarding you know your role in this children's clothing designing company and I, sometimes I mean it's not about lying like you like you said but sometimes you just need to like or you have or maybe people feel that they need to like make the truth a little bit more easier to acceptable follow. yeah <laughs> yeah yeah. Uh, but you're right. I think there's a credibility issue. You're right. Especially if you are working either in a company that deals with, you know, whether it's children's clothing or I teaching, you know, or even, you know, luckily I was young enough when I was babysitting it may, it was probably not a non-issue, but now it might be, I'm sure if I were to be a nanny or something, because I know my in-laws often say, well, you know, will often just make comments to us. Well, you guys wouldn't know you don't have kids or, and they dismiss us on so many things that it's very, it's very frustrating at times. My husband and I just look at each other, like, you know, we're talking about, it could be politics. It could be the weather. Well, you wouldn't know you guys don't have kids. It's like, wow. <laughs> wow. <a> just, <laughs> I know. Right. <laughs> Yeah, but I totally understand. And I had this conversation with somebody recently when we were like, we were discussing this and we were saying there's so many things that we do actually understand because we were children once. We're ones where we're just like thinking smart people. We, of course, there are things that we haven't experienced ourselves. Right. It's a whole different story, but it's not that we don't understand, right? So there's still a lot in society that I feel needs to change regarding, you know, how people view child-free women in general. Oh, I agree so. completely, which is why it's wonderful you're doing this podcast and, and hopefully encouraging women to be more honest and how to answer these questions, because it does, it becomes a minefield. It becomes very tricky. And I'm sure even in working situations, as we kind of touched on briefly, it's like you don't want to lose credibility 
because designing for children, you may still have an understanding of that. It's, you know, it's an, and an eye for it, but just because you don't have your own children doesn't make you completely clueless or it shouldn't diminish your role in being a teacher or an educator. I, wow, I really feel for those educators, the teachers, because I'm sure it's very challenging and, and could impact their financial, their place in the school or getting ahead. Absolutely. One of my best friends, she's a, she's a kindergarten teacher. She's a pre-K teacher and she's child-free, but she, and she's one of the best teachers in that school. Like she's always getting a lot of praise and compliments and they're actually grooming her to become like chief of that area, basically. Oh, wow. Yeah. She's very good. And she doesn't want to have kids. And she's always telling me how challenging it could be some, sometimes to talk to parents uh, about their kids' behavior or their kids' progress, and then parents being like, "Well, you don't have children, right?" And then just like <laughs> completely dismissing everything that she's saying, even though she's like one of the best teachers there, right? Right. It's it's a little bit sad to be honest, but yeah, that's frustrating. When in fact, I would think it could be a pro that as a teacher, if you're teaching, you know kids that are kindergarten, first grade, second grade, you're going to focus, you're going to have more energy in a way to focus on those kids because you're not going home now and having to deal with your own, all your other stuff at home and take, you know, if anything, it should be a positive. Like, I don't know. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, it's like, it's like women who are, I don't know, I'm going to say something ridiculous, but they're like, CFOs of a company and they're like, huh, I'm a mom and a CFO. It's like, well, does being a mom make you better as a CFO? Right. <laughs> I don't think I it don't... does. <laughs> no, I don't either. <laughs> like, okay, nice to meet you. <laughs> um, right, exactly. Because that that has a, has happened to me a few times, you know, meeting women and they're like, I'm, I'm so-and-so and they have like these really cool jobs and they're like, and I'm a mom. And you're like, that's cool, but it's completely relevant if you right, if you talk exactly. about your job and how well you are at your job and how cool your job is. Like, yeah, right. There's a lot that needs to be changed, but we're working on that. April, we're yes, we we need to work on this. I mean, just because we have the equipment doesn't make you. You know, we can all be moms, but again, I think it needs to be a choice and a choice that you go into open eyed. And there are there's going to be situations where that choice was taken from you. But I think if you know or have an inkling, and that's what I used to tell my husband too, like, I, I'm not passionate about it. I'm just going to be honest. If that's something you want, then we need to not be in this relationship. And and I told a lot of young men that even in college when I dated, like, you know, they were there to meet, you know, go to college, meet a wife, you know, start a family. And I was like, you know what? I'm not that person. And I don't want to lead you down the wrong path that way. And I don't want to end up in that situation. I don't want to feel pressure to make that choice when I know in my heart of hearts, that's not the path I'm on, you know, in this life right now, you know, or, or ever, you know, but I kind of, I'm one of these wacky people that thinks, you know, maybe I'll have another lifetime to do experience other things. So who knows? <laughs> yeah. Or maybe you have experienced that in past lives. Right. <laughs> I have a burning question that I think I know the answer to, but I want to ask you. Yeah. Do you regret it? No, I don't regret it at all. <laughs> 
I have to say that I know. And my sister had a child late in life. And I honestly, um, my sister's three years younger than me. I never realized how badly, how opposite we are. I mean, we are opposite in other ways. Uh, we always have been, but I never realized how badly she wanted a child. And she called it, she, she's much more introverted than I am. I mean, she doesn't pick up the phone and just to have a conversation. So this is me, um, well, it's been, my niece is 13. So 13 years ago, one day the phone rings and I could see it's my sister and I, and my heart just like dropped. I'm like, this is either going to be really bad news or really amazing news. But I was leaning towards the really bad news because it, you know, it's my sister. So I answer the phone immediately. And that's when she told me she was pregnant and it just like caught me so off guard. And I was just, she was crying and she was all excited and to this day, I can just see the joy. I mean, she's always wanted children. So thankfully, because they she had tried and tried. And at that point, when the phone call came, she was to the point of trying. They were going to go try to do, you know, go to the doctor, do find out about other options for them. And it was just a challenge for her. So I, I was very happy for her. But all these years, I never realized how badly, you know, she wanted children. And here, here I was all these years like, Nope, don't want them. No, thank you. So, you know, but now I still, I'm still good with my choice. Even after holding my niece and spending time with her, I just, it's just not for me. And that's okay. That's perfect. Right. Okay. <laughs> Great. And that's why we're here. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly why we're here. Well, it's been such a pleasure to have you here. Um, I know that you sent me a lot of links uh, you have your website, which is yourphototravelguide.com and Instagram, Facebook. I'm going to leave all those links in the oh, description okay. of this episode. So all of my firecrackers can click on them and visit your sites. And before I let you go, is there anything else that you would like to add to this interview? Anything at all? Not that I can think of, just to really encourage younger women. I mean, like I said, I'm in my 50s and I... I never once changed my mind. I never once strayed from that, you know, in my heart feeling. And I just want to encourage others in their twenties and thirties. If you know that, you know, not having children is the path that you need to be on to just try to be as true to yourself as possible. And I know it can be challenging. You're going to get pressure. You're going to, you know, talk to people that think you're crazy and you're going to meet employers who might, you know, look down upon you. So you got to switch and judge. And, you know, <laughs> I mean, I remember many conversations just finally having to tell, you know, my in-laws sometimes like, no, I don't want children. I'm very sad to say to you that you're not going to have, you know, I'm not bearing your, your son's child, but you need to stay true to yourself and just to do that. And because that's your ultimate happiness. All we have is this one time in our life, this one lifetime and, you don't want to, you don't want to bring someone into the world. I don't think that doesn't want, you know, isn't wanted, so to speak. I think that's important. And I 100% agree with that. Thank you so much, April. It's been really wonderful to have you here. Thank you so much, Elizabeth. Thank you for listening to The Honest Uproar, a podcast where modern, child-free women share their life stories and where we discuss important topics for the kid-free community. We hope you tune in next week for our newest episode. And since we love hanging out with you, please be sure to follow us on social media at The Honest Uproar and visit our website at thehonestuproar.com. If you like what you heard, feel free to share with your fierce, child-free firecracker friends. Until next time, continue fueling your inner fire. <laughs>